Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, Good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and they come on. Where's Toby? Well, I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Saturday suckage, and boy, if it's uh, if you're a Cubs fan, it was Friday night pukage. Welcome in. We're broadcasting from the Score Hyundai Studios, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. He's Mark Grody. I'm Steve Rosenblum. And what you saw the last couple weeks, especially last night, is why you need reporters in the clubhouse and why teams don't want reporters in the clubhouse. Hi, Mark. How you doing? I assume that when you say that, and hi, Steve, that you are referencing the seemingly more one-sided shouting match between Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras in the late innings in the Cubs' dugout. Would that be to what you are referring when you say we need reporters in the clubhouse? Johnny Olsen, tell him what he's won. See, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's the fighting Rizzos and the fighting Contreras's and what happened and why. That's what we're asking. That's what we want to know. That's what everyone wants to know. What happened? Well, if reporters were allowed in the dressing room, the clubhouse, whatever kind of place your favorite reporters are, you would know this. And this goes for the White Sox, too. You would hear stuff off the record, but you would hear stuff that players believe to be true about the daffiness of their manager. And you would get a story on what's going on. Right now, you, like you said on Twitter, does anybody know what happened with that? Right. Why that happened? What happened? 
We still don't know, do we? No, we don't, and the predictable answers are rolling in, and those being the standard, these things happen in a clubhouse, and, you know, oh, my God, it's usually inside the clubhouse, but you guys saw it in the dugout. So we're getting the standard answers. The problem with the standard answers is it leads us to do what we're doing right now, and that is to speculate on what might have happened and whose fault it was, and should they have been doing this out in the public, and who's right and who's wrong, when maybe if you just told us that Wilson Contreras was angry that Anthony Rizzo was not able to collect that low hopper from Javier Baez that extended Wilson Contreras' pitcher on the mound, or Maybe there was a play where the pitcher had to cover first and Rizzo could have just tagged first base and thus saving the pitch. Things like that like go through my brain a little bit in trying to figure out what what happened or what ticked off Rizzo or Contreras because we because we don't know. I don't I don't know who was the instigator. I have no idea. Maybe maybe Contreras said, "Look, dude, if you have a bad back, then get out of here when, when the game's on the line at the end." Oh. Well, but but you yeah, can imagine see? that if there is a physical thing involved, and and Contreras is not. Does it really look like there's much of a filter on Wilson Contreras? No, and you know, okay. Anthony Rizzo is a free speaker too. I mean, I, I am I'm, definitely not like gonna go the like this is on Wilson Contreras. I mean, it seemed like this no, was it's not. Like, it's on. It's on. I, I, this is a guy who chose on the Reds dugout, and he was ready to go one. You know, he was, he was Maximus. Are you not entertained? So I'm all. I'm all for that. And and these are two guys who go at it that way. And and I don't doubt that they're. Um, they all. They meant it in the best of ways, and it was taken in the worst of ways. And they've lost the second game, and they know the the pressure's mounting. Look, they're not immune to knowing how important this trip is and this stretch of games. They know this could be the World Series yard sale. They could come back in such a wreck, and right now they're 0-2 on this thing, and they could come back in such a wreck, and they know it. That's a sense of pressure. And I will, I will throw this out there because it's been a big deal with the clubs and with Jed Hoyer, who was on inside the clubhouse, uh, the show that preceded us, and we will bring back this quite revealing interview that Jed did, we'll bring that back at 1.40 today as part of Saturday Suckage to answer a texture in A15. This is Saturday Suckage regular, not Saturday Suckage on a Monday the way it was last Monday. But I will say this, that when you are in, you, you, you know this team, you've traveled the baseball life, you're in close quarters for 200 days a year. Add to the fact the Cubs have not reached MLB's vaccination barometer level They've not come up to the minimum of 85%. They have no choice to go anywhere else. They go to the, the, the clubhouse, the dugout, the field, and their rooms. They can't go out and be normal people. People would be very hot. Even if you're not blaming somebody for not getting vaxxed and allowing the team more freedom, you are feeling that. You are feeling the constraints of that. Maybe that's part of it, too, because we don't know for sure we're allowed to bring that up. I just did. Speaking of that, one of the the guys who so far, and I know he was public about it, Jake Arrieta had had concerns about getting the vaccination, and I'm assuming he hasn't gotten it yet. Um, and this this is separate from that. Uh, I don't know. Is it, it? It was weird that he was sick last night, and uh, he he pitched horribly. Like he came undone in the second inning with the Evan Longoria RBI hit, Steven Duggar 
with a home run, and then Alex Dickerson cleaned it up with a three-run homer to make it 6-2 San Fran, and you knew that game was over. But I thought it was interesting that I think it was David Haw that brought up to Bruce Levine or maybe asked Bruce Levine, is Jake Arrieta, is he in danger of potentially losing his spots in the starting rotation? And while Bruce didn't say he's definitely losing it, he said that the conversation is a viable one, that that is not out of the realm of possibility. It hasn't happened yet, but, I mean, that that's that's still the, the problem with the Cubs. The, the bullpen has been great. The offense has been great, save for these last two couple of games for the Cubs. The starting pitching is not good enough to carry you through a serious postseason run, and Jake Arrieta was symbolic of that last night. Jake Arrieta has sucked since his first five outings. This looks exactly like the way he went to Philly. He was great out of the gate, and we, all, we heard about it because he was always good, and you Darvish couldn't feel the ball and you Darvish was just just awful in that first month that that you Darvish was here and Jake went to Philly and then after that Jake Arrieta sucked just like he does now his ERA here in his first five starts 257 that's damn good since then in six starts including last night 8.28 that sucks. Just to clarify, that's awful. And I do think he would be released. He, they, would, they would make a move with him if they started selling off the World Series pieces. If this becomes the yard sale, then what's the point of keeping him around? You've got to find out everything you've got about your young pitching. And yet they're still they're in first place. And this is like, doesn't this feel like the worst, the worst first place thing we've ever seen? The worst first place team, did you say? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Worst... Like, I, I, honestly, man, I, I, I thought that they, I think that they played very well actually during that May stretch, and then having swept San Diego, I, I think that what they have done up until the last two games, or had done up until the last two games, felt pretty legitimate to me actually, and I was as hard on the Cubs as anybody, and I'm not saying that they're they are not yet in position. For me, one game up on the Cardinals where you buy, buy, buy and, and go for the go for the bye, gold. Bye, bye. Yeah. Like I don't think they are there yet, but I like watching those just like staying present with watching the games and the success the Cubs had had during that winning streak and then winning a lot of games. Like they were good. They were really good, I thought. Well, I didn't I phrased that wrong. Maybe maybe I'm saying that it everything you point out is true. They're they're winning games. You can't the record is the record. It, they'd be in fourth place in the um, NL West, but they're not. And this was, as we predicted, this is a, a marginal division. This is a division that was there even when you trade your Cy Young candidate, which they did. Do you think? Do you think um, San Diego's dumb enough to trade you Darvish for Zach Davies? Could the Cubs get that? Because they need that guy. But hey, I, but I wanted. Can I, we I, uh, I, can we get him back? Hey, can we get him you know, back? Zach Davies. Yeah, and by the way, if you're looking... and send him back? <laughs> if you want to compare, hey, look, we'll be down there. We'll pick him up when we're down there. We'll, we'll pay later, for the Uber. Later, yeah, next week. So you Darvish has a war of 1.7, and Zach Davies has pitched much improved the last six, eight times out to get to 0.0, Mr. Blutarski. Oh, my God. So he is the most average of pitcher. So the Cubs are only 1.7 wins behind that. 
So they're they're behind that breathing room and, and behind missing that breathing room and a guy you could count on. There's really nobody in that roster. I, I phrased it wrong. They did win. They have won in a variety of ways, and that bullpen's one of them. My point was should have been this, that we talk about it like we expect this to be a house of cards that just collapses. Right. Because we don't see, we don't know where, Chris, Chris Bryant looks like an MVP candidate. You know, can Rizzo stay healthy? That starting pitching is a problem. And you don't know that what you're going to get from day to day from day to day, start to start, and and I don't know why you'd keep Jake Arrieta around if you're trying to win something. Right. I mean, I don't know that there's a whole lot of great options right now in the Cubs system presently for, you know, for a replacement. I mean, there is Cole Stewart. Um, obviously, Trevor Who's Williams good? is is down right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the talk about pedigree, a former first round pick. And maybe if you could reclaim his career, that could be, Hey, Jake Arietta 2.0, because the Cubs once reclaimed his career when he came over from Baltimore. But yeah. So, and, and you, like you said, we're going to hear from Jed Hoyer later. And one thing that Hoyer was transparent about spoiler alert is that he did say, you know, when asked the question, he pretty much answered, yes, we would like to get controllable starting pitching. Now, which GM wouldn't admit to wanting more of that? But that seemed pretty specific when I heard that. And you guys get to hear it in full context a little bit later on. But that would be the thing, and that's the trick, to potentially help the club this year and for years to come, you know, to, to get real live arms that you could lock in for years. But... Then again, there is a a huge price tag to get those guys. Like, what? Who? Who is it that? What's the dramatic move? Who? Who? Who is the guy on the roster, or what prospects are we talking about exactly that the Cubs have that other teams would want for the Cubs to attain controllable starting pitching? Yeah. Well, we know. We know who they are. You start with Bryant, and then go to Baez and Contreras and Rizzo. The the World Series core four and that's what it would take and you know the interesting thing is before this I don't know how they're going to come back from this road trip they would do well if they could come back at 500 there would still be reason to consider them buyers to be optimists now there still would be six weeks to go before the trade deadline but I do have an idea idea for them because when they come back they will be able to allow they will they will be able to have 100% seating in Wrigley Field and I think what they should do while those especially while those players are still there before the game at some point the roster the 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 guys should get on the field walk on the field and take a lap around Wrigley around the warning track and thank the fans acknowledge the fans whatever you want to do but they're back. It will make a huge difference, and it's good to see baseball like it ought to be. I think that's what the Cubs should do. I don't think they should wait till after the game. They might not have any reason to want to do that. They they should do it before it, when there is that kind of hmm. that kind of energy. And I think the whole yeah. team should be out there. I and like the it. Fans, I like it. The fans would love it. I think it would be a, a here. Let's welcome each other back. That's that sounds great. Like that would be. And that could be like a. I hate to project goosebumps because that's silly, 
like to project that on people. But that I think that would be a potential goosebump moment, Steve. And I'm glad that you brought that sunshine. Well, you're getting to choked us. up even as we talk about it now, Mark. I am. I am, and I'm getting choked up over the 815 texture. I texted you guys last Monday. The wife and I just came back <laughs> from Menards after getting all she wanted for the landscaping job. I agreed to while listening. Um, to your nonsense last Monday. What time should I expect you to arrive at Jolie and Jolie to Joliet to help out? Sorry, that text just went bad. I read it poorly. It probably didn't make sense towards the end either. I am sorry. No, I'm I do. Take my I do. Re- minute break. I do recall that. I do recall the the text from Monday that the suddenly has he texted us as not sure what he agreed to because he had the headphones on was listening to us and just sort of nodded. Yeah, wait, and you know made the appropriate husband move of offering grunts and noises and sounds, some of which might have been mistaken for words of, of more than acknowledgement, but approval and assent when his wife stopped talking. That's how the whole thing goes. When she stops talking, when you stop hearing noise, you make your own. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what you say. Okay. And that apparently is what happened. And he feared then, as it apparently played out, that they were going to Menards this weekend. And he agreed to a landscaping project while he was listening to us and demanded that because our nonsense got him into this, that we go out and help him. So I'll just say, <laughs> okay. you know what? Right. If we're not there, start without us. That's all I got to say, 815 Dexter. That's how it's going to work. Uh, uh, we, hey, I got a yeah. quick little bit of news here for you from oh, uh, James okay. Fegan, White Sox yep. writer for The Athletics. Says Andrew Vaughn said he's both vaccinated and got COVID in the winter, so he suspected that was a false positive. He said he tested negative five times yesterday. So that's the update on wow. Andrew Vaughn. Give me Vaughn. See, that's Vaughn. why we need that. Vaughn. That's, that's right. what we, we need. We need Lou Brown saying that. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, right here on the show. By the way, the text zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at rosenhyundai.com. 312-644-6767 is the number. If we have a breaking phone call, Brandon Fryer will play the sounder and we'll we'll go to the phone call. But that's the number that you can text us. <laughs> and the the by the way there was some news in baseball yesterday that really was not as big as it should have been but it's still too late for what happened with the fighting rizzos and fighting contreras and whatever's gone on with the daffy Sox manager and what the players really think starting monday players who were fully vaccinated i'm sorry starting monday reporters who were fully vaccinated can be on the field before the game around Whoa. the batting cage do their job Whoa. it was not as as publicly uh, paraded as other things have been, and I get that, but but it is, that's a true thing. When they can go in the locker room, when they can go in the dressing room, when reporters are back to where it used to be, then you'll have a chance of getting real stories in real time. I mean, I I, I would think, and just as an example of whatever happened, you, you might, if you had a reporter in there earlier, you'd know what the players thought of, of La Russa calling his own player clueless not just the the whitewashed version you got on zoom 
So and there would be better Cubs speculation, if nothing else, on the the Rizzo Contreras verbal yeah. altercation. I don't right. know if there'd be an answer, but there'd be some good possibilities. Bruce would have something for you. All right, so we're gonna take a break. When we come back, David Montgomery said something this week. I want to run this by you, Mark Rody, covers the Bears for the score, and yeah. Chris Emma, who is our next guest. We're gonna to talk to Emma about the Bears and you about the Bears, and I'm not right. sure I understood this, but you guys were there, and you likely can help explain this to me. Good? Good? Okay. Sounds good. good. I'm going to let Chris do the explaining, because I'd just like to sit back, relax, and enjoy what Emma has to say. But no, I'll, I'll participate. <laughs> All right, Bears. Saturday, second on Saturday. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody, Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. I've been working with uh, probably the best speed trainer in the world. His name is Chris Corpus. Like, the things have he, he's actually teaching me how to run. <laughs> like, I'm 23 years old, getting ready to turn 24 here soon, a couple of days, but I have not known, I've not been able to run properly the entirety of my life. <laughs> me not really realizing how I didn't know how to run. Um, he's definitely like cleared that image up for me and it's definitely helping me out a lot. What do you mean by that? Explain that to us. Uh, elaborate on the question. I, uh, you said you, you've run your whole life, but you didn't really know how to run. What, what, is it a proper form that he is teaching you? What is he teaching you that's different than what you've done before? Well, if I could tell you that, that would be, that's like me giving you the recipe to my mama's fried chicken. Now, I can't do that. Yeah. David Montgomery has learned to run. He can't tell you how. If he tells you, he'd have to kill you. But it'd also be, it'd be like giving you away, giving away the recipe to mom, his mama's fried chicken. And I really think that when the Bears win the Super Bowl, because they have to, they must. I mean, look at that. They have Matt Nagy, so God and Ryan Pace. How could they not win the Super Bowl? I think that will be the name of the restaurant that David Montgomery opens up: Mama's Fried Chicken. What do you think? Oh, it'd be so delicious. I mean, I've been yeah. actually craving fried chicken since that particular Zoom meeting of which I was a part, as was our next guest. Right, Steve? Right. That's Chris Emma. He's a score reporter, and we're on the score, and he's going to report to us. Chris, how are you doing today? You know, I was struck by those comments as well. What is his mama's fried chicken recipe? I don't know, but we, we just got to supply all of us with fried chicken so we can properly discuss it just like we can properly discuss his ability to run but that actually wasn't I, I can understand where a guy gets bad habits we see it all the time and the position coaches and other specialists try to get him to change it I mean we had we heard last year right Mitch was going to a specialist like a throw the ball coach and he needed a balance coach and he probably should have taken ballet and and he still threw from the pocket, he threw interceptions in the end zone. So they all have that. But what really jumped out at me from that Bears Twitter, and I want both of you guys to tell me, provide perspective, that he was ta- David Montgomery was talking about how he wants to, I don't know if it was physical or mental, he says, I left, I don't think I left it all on the field like I should have. Was he talking about being a vocal leader? Was he talking about his physical play? Was he talking about not being a half-assed leader? You have to be a full-on leader. Do you? Was it physical or vocal and standing up 
and and doing it on the field in the in the locker room. I'm not quite sure what he meant, but when a guy says, "I don't think I left it all out on the field like I should have," that sets off some alarms. So, pacify me or provide some perspective, Chris, Mark. Well, yeah, Rosie, he was talking about both. He mentioned the leadership aspect, which I appreciated, but he was also talking about his running style. And I spoke with the coach he mentioned, Chris Corfus, who's a running coach based out of the western suburbs. Uh, he's a high school teacher at Hinsdale Central by day and a world-renowned track coach by night. He's worked with Olympians, uh, pro football athletes as well, baseball athletes. And what he identified with David Montgomery was that he kind of had instability in the pelvic region when he's running, which he compared to be a loose axle on a car. You're not getting your maximum speed. So he broke it down. They kind of refined his running style. Dave Montgomery broke into the NFL with a 4.6540. He's at a 4.44 level right now, according to this coach. So he's made considerable marks in his speed improvement. He's trying to become that complete runner. And think about those runs his rookie season, in particular that run against the Chargers. He had a 55-yard run where he got chased down by the safety. Bears had to settle for a field goal, lose that game by one. Those are the runs that stuck with David Montgomery. He's not doing enough for his team, not breaking it when he should be able to break it. And you saw late last season, he started seeing this coach a year ago. Late last season, when they got the offensive line ready for him and he was able to block and open up these holes, you saw that breakaway speed. That game against the Texans in December, granted against a really bad defense, but he broke an 80-yard run and rushed away from the secondary. That's the guy David Montgomery wants to be. And I could add this, and that was all spot on. You should read Chris Emma's piece right now on 670thescore.com or follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Emma, and I'm sure that it's up and running right there as well. He was very big on the, and this is refreshing because you don't always get at, most athletes, when you ask them about leadership style, it's I lead by example, I'm quiet, but I lead by, he was big on like, I need to talk more, and I want to be more vocal, and I want guys to listen to me and all that. So I thought that that was refreshing because you don't hear that very often. And one thing that I have, I think I've concluded about David Montgomery um, in his three years with the Bears is that I think he might be a perfectionist. And I say I think because that's a huge word, and we throw that around liberally, I feel like because most people are not perfectionists, even those that say they are, they're really not. I think David Montgomery might be. He's really hard on himself, as he was throughout that Zoom conversation. And after his rookie year, I remember having a an in-depth, deep conversation with him in a year that he really wasn't talking much when he would speak to reporters with one- and two-word answers. And by the end of the year, he, he finally like opened up a little bit to me. And the thing that he was saying is that he, at this point, after his rookie year, he said he felt like he let down the fans. And he was saying, basically, look, fans got in and they paid their money and they didn't get what they should have gotten out of me and the rest of this team. So this is an ongoing thing for David Montgomery where he kind of laments what he did during the season, even though this past year turned out to be a success like it, it's it's interesting that he remembers the bad when in his last five games of the season were really good and that's usually the part that we remember the most recent but he's hard on himself and Chris let me ask you one more question about David Montgomery since you you wrote the piece do you think that David Montgomery is is he capable of getting to the next level is he a top five running back for an entire season in the NFL can he get to that or is that unrealistic 
You know, Mark, I think so. If this offensive line can open up the holes, which they weren't able to do those first 10 games of last season or even much of his rookie year, but you saw it those last six games when they shuffled the offensive line, they had a much better run blocking scheme. They were able to open up those holes at the line of scrimmage. That gets David Montgomery to the next level, and you're able to see that speed takeover. This is a guy who didn't have a chance to showcase that speed at all his first 10 games, and he was frustrated. It's out of his control. He supported his offensive line, but the offensive line was letting him down big time. Now that he's got a run-blocking scheme and a group up front that can really open up these holes, and I think there's going to be really steady competition on the O-line. You saw it a bit in OTAs last week when you and I were watching there. It's going to be tough competition to earn these starting spots up front, but you feel really good no matter how it shakes out about the way they're going to be able to run-block this year compared to where they were a year ago. Uh, so I think David Montgomery does have an opportunity to prove himself as top five running back. I think he can. Uh, you saw him break the 1,000-yard mark last year. Much of that work coming in those final six games. Yeah, I, I think that's the kind of running back David Montgomery is. Hmm. We're talking with Chris Emma, talking Bears football here. Chris reports on for the score, and Mark Grody reports on the Bears and is a uh, charter member of Saturday Suckage, which is what we're doing here. When, when David Montgomery became that guy closer to all cap letters, Bill Lazor was the one calling the plays, not Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy is back to calling the plays now. He's taking that over. My view of Matt Nagy is that he's got that number one draft choice, that number, the first round draft choice, who's a quarterback, in some eyes the best pick, the second best pick, whatever he is, that Justin Fields thing. And that's a new toy, and he can't wait to see how many things he can do and I just see it happening at the expense of a running game. No matter that any sane person who's watched this game knows, the best thing to help a young quarterback is a running game. Is there any indication, any sense that that right now Matt Nagy is a greater believer in a running game and setting that up to setting Justin Fields up to succeed, not just to maybe make him like the Incredibles and turn him into Patrick Mahomes that he can run for his life? Is there any sense that might be the case? You know, Rosie, I really want to give Matt Nagy the benefit of the doubt this time. And one of the reasons why is a guy they signed uh, kind of a low-key signing this offseason in Damian Williams, who strengthens that running back room considerably. Because now you run with Montgomery at the top, Cohen, you got him back healthy this year, add Williams to the mix, and then Khalil Herbert, the rookie out of Virginia Tech as well. They have a really good opportunity to run, have that versatile run game where you'd be running one, two, three, or even four guys throughout the course of a ball game. I think they know what Andy Dalton is going into the year. You mentioned the Justin Fields factory. Obviously, you can incorporate his running style within this running attack as well. I think they're going to truly, finally try to commit to being what we saw with the Niners the last several seasons, where you're running several running backs throughout the course of a game. There's really no let-up. You're wearing down a defense. You're attacking at the line of scrimmage with your offensive line. I mean, you're feeling really good about your blocking scheme, and you're winning throughout the course of a game based on that. That's what Matt Nagy's wanted to do. Like, that's what he's spoken of doing throughout the really the last several seasons, and that's what he wants to do this time around. We've seen it now during the course of a game where he loses that, you start throwing the ball too much and get away from your identity or what you want that identity to be. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt this time, say that, you know, signing like Williams and the depth they have at running back, the improvements on the offensive line, reflect a coach who wants to run this kind of identity. I don't think they have an ability to have a passing identity because outside of Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, you don't feel too great about your passing attack, especially with Dalton 
who's you know still a decent player at 33, but he's not going to be anything you know game changing. They have to commit to this running identity here. I think Matt Nagy really wants to do it this time. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, it, <laughs> exactly. I, I, Go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, exactly. I mean, that's the thing. Is that you, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but we've seen time and time again when he speaks about this identity, what he wants this offense to become, and then he gets away from it. So you're right. I, I mean, you take it with a grain of salt when you hear these things, but uh, it's June 5th. I, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt until proven otherwise. You know what's funny? Now, I'm just thinking about this as you're saying that, Chris. Once Justin Fields get in, gets in, or let's just say even hypothetically Justin Fields is the starter from, from week one, nobody's going to be wanting Justin Fields to hand the ball off. Then it's going to turn into, <laughs> this is we didn't get this guy to, to hand the ball off to David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. <laughs> I could just, I could totally thing. see it coming. But, but I think I'm making a point more than I'm, I'm asking a question. My actual question is we also spoke to Andy Dalton, and it felt like he was saying the, the right things in terms of all the questions we were hitting him up with, with grooming a quarterback and the quarterback room and Justin Fields this and Justin Fields that. What I came away with from that was that's all good and well, but Andy Dalton's not here to groom any quarterbacks or to be a, a leader for Justin Fields. He's here to try to win a damn a starting job at, at, and, the, and the later part of his career and do enough so that when he's not here next year, he could hook on with another team and either be a primary backup or even a starting quarterback. This guy wants to be a starter, period. And, all, and the rest of the stuff is just a bunch of, really just a bunch of garbage that he has to answer and he probably doesn't necessarily mean. Did you feel that too? Or do you really think that Andy Dalton feels a responsibility for Justin Fields? No, I mean, I, I think any veteran quarterback in this position will say that. And I think, you, you know, I, I, I do believe he'll be in the meeting rooms, you know, saying, okay, this is what you're looking for on this coverage, et cetera, et cetera. But he's sure. here to be the starter. Like, it, yeah. it, it, make no mistake, he has every intention of holding down the starting job all season long. We'll see if he does. Uh, obviously, Justin Fields' readiness might dictate that more than Andy Dalton's performance, unless Dalton goes out there and plays at a Pro Bowl level or something like that. But... I mean, I respect and appreciate Andy Dalton's candor and demeanor here. He said he wasn't surprised. He knew it going in that they could draft a quarterback. Matt Nagy said it the night of the draft before they even got into the draft room that night, saying we're going to be looking to potentially make this move, be ready for it. Called them after the pick of field, said, okay, here's the deal. You're the starter. We're going to figure it out from there. I admire Andy Dalton's veteran savvy and appreciation of this opportunity. He's not like Mike Glennon where he was completely caught off guard and he thought a team believed in him and then suddenly he's looking at putting a for sale sign in the house he just bought. Like, it's a different situation for Dalton. He recognizes what he's up against here. He's ready for the challenge and I think he's in a good frame of mind. Chris, I appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again, getting your analysis as the ongoing, as this all unfolds, as both the the veteran and the rookie try to learn the same playbook, and I mean, keep tans, tap dancing until they name Justin Fields the starter for game one, which is going to happen. Mark my words. That's it. <laughs> That's it. It's all over. The NFL said so. That's why they scheduled them on Sunday night. Chris, thanks for your time. Take care. All right, Chris Emma. Mark, I have some more Bears questions. We'll take a break. Can Great. Come back? Can I come back and ask you them? I would love that. I would love okay. that. Let's talk Bears there, next. Yep. There are more issues. He's Mark Rohde. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago Sports Station. You guys suck. 
We appreciate that. We suck so you don't have to. It's the whole point of Saturday Suckers. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. Top of the hour, we will talk White Sox. They don't suck. Neither does Yasmani Grandal, and a man who wrote a piece called Yasmani Grandal Does Not Suck seemed appropriate to bring on this show, so we will discuss that at the top of the hour. But now, I have some Bears questions for you, Mark. I know the Bears went through OTAs, and the Justin Fields coronation was beginning, and and we're all getting everything lined up. But there was an injury. So the idea that Justin Fields had already... Deve- had developed a relationship with the fastest guy on the field, Daz Newsom, which was predictable. The guy who likes to look deep first, develop that kind of relationship, and now he's hurt. Don't know when he'll be back, but it won't be soon. And that injury, to me, affected the way the Bears have to deal with Anthony Miller and what they might have to tolerate, which seems more what they've done with Anthony Miller than anything else is tolerate him doing all those Anthony Miller things. Now, I might be simplistic in connecting the dots. You connect the dots for me. What did that, what did Daz Newsom mean before to Anthony Miller and his job, and what does it mean now? Well, he probably, Daz Newsom probably would have pushed Anthony Miller or even Javon Wims, or if you want to say Riley Ridley, and I laugh just because he's barely on the field, Riley Ridley. However, I will say this. Daz Newsom is a sixth-round draft pick. So, And I know that people will go to the Darnell Mooney comp and say, well, he was a fifth-round pick out of Tulane, and look what he did last year. It's relatively rare when a guy and, and we've seen it with these with Bears receivers they are slow to develop receivers they drafted Riley Ridley in the fourth round really nothing out of that Javon Wims nothing Anthony Miller hot runs hot and cold mm-hmm. so to have assumed that Daz Newsom was going to make an impact on this team just because Darnell Mooney made an impact on this team I think it was incorrect so I think Newsom had a harder road to break the field no matter what Obviously, this now are points in favor of Anthony Miller staying on the roster and and being effective. But I don't know that Daz Newsom was going to make an immediate impact no matter what. Well, I know I as soon as I saw the fact that the quarterback liked him, the quarterback of the future, and the future is September. And th- when that happens, I can see that because that forcing certain issues. He, maybe more for Justin Fields than it would for the way Aaron Rodgers vouches for receivers and then they cut him and and Aaron gets a red ass about it. So I just thought that was the start of something and he would look for him. And the the problem isn't just that Anthony Miller runs hot and cold. He runs hot and cold and stupid. And one of the things you have to deal with, we've seen this with a lot of other athletes, is their greatest strength. Their greatest strength is their greatest weakness so whatever made them get to the edge like that makes them makes them great in the competitiveness also cost the team and their stupidity mm-hmm. and I don't know I don't know what tricks there are to to can you can you fix stupid or do you have to let that go no that's why I brought up the word tolerate what they've tolerated out of him because of what he could produce 
on the field and in the end zone. Right. Well, remember Mike Furry about a month ago made the comments of, you know, that we don't need you. And, and it was, you know, Matt Nagy corrected that and basically said it was a matter of, hey, we've got we've got a lot of receivers on this team. They've got they've got quantity. We don't know exactly where the quality lies. So I think that I think there's been there, the warnings have been have been right in front of Anthony Miller for two years now. For two years, this has been going on. So. I don't know. Like, who knows what the what the Bears are really thinking? Like, is it still possible that Anthony Miller is not on the opening day roster? I think that is possible. Um, I also think that Anthony Miller's playing time decreasing considerably would be on the table as well, and they would like nothing more than to see Darnell Mooney take the the next step and somebody else show themselves, whether it's Marquise Goodwin, whom they, uh, you know, have acquired this offseason, or Demir Bird. I have no idea what kind of impact those guys can make. And then obviously Allen Robinson and Wims and Ridley, they, they are basically saying, you know what, we, we love Anthony Miller. We moved up in the second round to get him, but somebody can go get his job if they are worthy of it. That, that's where they're at right now as opposed to protecting Anthony Miller like maybe they did in the past. Okay, so on the other side of the ball, where almost nobody showed up, I have a question for Sean Desai. If Robert Quinn doesn't show up for OTA drills, how can you tell? Oh! Oh, okay. man. I'll hang, up and listen for my, yeah, I'll hang up and listen for my answer. But what do we know about what can you learn? What can? How much harder does this, does the lack of defensive players other than Roquan Smith, that, or starters, I should say, what does that mean for Sean Desai? How much harder does that make his job? Uh, I don't, and, and maybe there's no way to quantify it, but what did you hear? What did you sense? What did this mean? Well, it was odd to be out there and watching and not seeing any of the heavies on defense. You know, it was yeah. strange to not see Akeem Hicks out there sweating and stirring it up and being vocal. And obviously, you know, Khalil Mack, one of the, one of the, the great practice players that I've seen just because he's like 100% go all the time and, you know, raising heads from offensive line. Like, it was strange to not see all those Danny Trevathan out there being vocal and just Roquan Smith. So other than that, I think it's definitely noteworthy and worthy of being a story. But I think it's really only a problem if these guys don't show up like when the, the actual mini camp rolls around or training camp. That that like I don't expect these guys to be at the OTAs next week either when we'll have another g- glimpse of practice. Yeah. But if, if they don't show up for the, the, the actual mini camp and or training camp, then then it's a real story and then it really would affect Sean Desai. But all but let's not forget Sean Desai, it's not like he comes into this cold. He's been part of the organization longer than some of the players that are on his defense. So he knows these guys. He needs to get to know them better, but it's it's not devastating yet. Okay, it will be soon, um, perhaps. But I, I have I have a favorite. This show, I would think, would have a new favorite bearer. And I don't know if you know anything about him. He's an undrafted, undrafted rookie, plays defensive line, and because nobody on the defensive line, none of the starters showed up for OTAs, he's been getting some run, I imagine. But this show would like to make a friend in Daniel Archibong. I think the WB Club <laughs> would, 
would like to make a friend in undrafted rookie defensive lineman Daniel Archibong. Oh, that is so good. By the way, can I can I can I give you a tweet that is the essence of Saturday suckage? All right, here we go. Oh, I'm mo- do yes. This do. is just, this is this is like Please kind of perfect, do. I think. So Emma. Before he came on, he threw a tweet out there just saying he's he's coming on talking bears. And then my guy on Twitter, um, a, a gentleman by the name of Dan Kennedy, said, nice, bears start in July. I will turn to baseball. So then I wrote to Dan Kennedy. I said, come on, Dan, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Um, and then Dan writes back, joking. There's so much Bears talk. There's only so much Bears talk one can process. This is baseball season. Tell the Grobber story regarding McMahon and the women of New Orleans for the 500th time. That would be better. Endless speculation is quite wearing. Wake and Bake Club is where it's at. Great show, guys. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and and then here's the real kicker. Ready? Ready? Now you made me put your show on. Let me get some fresh water and grab my grinder. So guess what? Dan Kennedy, now friend of the show. Dan, thanks for listening. Yep. Spark it up, dude. That's what we're here for, the WB Club. It's home to everyone, and we suck so you don't have to. Uh, Somebody who doesn't suck is Yasmani Grandal. We will talk to a guy who wrote about that, and all he's done is go off and go off and go off, and the White Sox had themselves the most interesting roller coaster kind of game. We will talk... With James Fox of Southside Sox after this break. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. We suck, so you don't have to. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 